Volkswagen claims emphatically that the new Amarok, the Ford Ranger clone, will absolutely not merely be some hastily rebadged Ford Ranger. Despite being built in the new Ford Ranger factory, on the new Ford Ranger platform, and despite probably running the Ford Ranger powertrains. So it's certainly going to be entertaining to hear them attempt to justify this somewhat loose association with reality. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card that's up there now, dude. I have flat out never seen a car maker trowel it on quite this enthusiastically. And I have seen some rather enthusiastic troweling. I note that the least admirable car makers in the market are often proper maestros with the trowel of disinformation. Seems compensatory somehow. New Amarok due in 2023. Ranger, of course, several months earlier than that. Platform shared, co-developed, badge engineered. Tomato, friggin' tomato. Ford is pitching, Volkswagen is catching on this one, if you know what I mean. Two almost perfectly aligned car makers, now that I think about it. Truly elite performers, both vying for number one in number twos. Endlessly entertaining on reliability and customer service. <laughs> I can agree. Ford going for gold in Tokyo, of course, with the hand grenade marathon. And Volkswagen looking likewise spectacular in the customer under the bus toss. So this really is a match made in hell. The most endlessly entertaining aspect of this deal, brokered by Dante himself seemingly, is the extent to which every Volkswagen executive trotted out to front this project is steadfastly on message when it comes to how friggin' different to the Ranger the new Amarok is gonna be. Right down to its DNA, which it doesn't actually have because it's a machine. So perhaps you could all STFU on that. We know what our Amarok means to our customers and fans in Australia. And that's the reason why we are really working hard to have a 100% Volkswagen, a true Volkswagen, and not only a rebadged Ford. I want you to rest assured that this Amarok will be a real beast. Dude, permit me respectfully to fact check you on that. I'd suggest if it's made in Ford's factory by Ford and built on the Ranger platform, it simply cannot be 100% Volkswagen as you claim. That's just ontologically how this vehicle has to roll out of the blocks, and you should therefore, in my respectful view, work ever so slightly harder to align your bullshit rhetoric with the basic facts. Many of the new Volkswagen's parts will be Ranger parts, like Ford is the lead partner in this development. The Christian Grey to Volkswagen's Anastasia Steel in the upcoming automotive cult classic, Fifty Shades of Shitbox. I'd suggest it would be a flat-out miracle if you Volkswagen dudes could manage 20% bespoke Volkswagen parts in an arrangement such as this.
That was Albert Krisinger, quoted a little earlier there, head of design for Volkswagen commercial vehicles, fluffing the press right up a few months ago via video link. They really don't want you to form the view that Amarok is just a Ford Ranger with a slightly different vegetable arrangement down there in the cargo bay, even though it objectively is exactly that. It's not going to be just a fantastic pickup, it's going to be a genuine Volkswagen 2 with clear DNA in both technology and design. Friggin' DNA, like enough. It's the Wolfsburg Death Stars Commercial Vehicles Chairman of the Management Board, Carsten Intra. Yes, Brian Johnson always wanted to be Volkswagen's Commercial Vehicles Chairman on the Management Board. Most people don't know that, but there were just no openings back in 1980 and BJ had to fall back on working for ACDC on Back in Black. Terrible missed opportunity there. <laughs> I can agree. Same old story, I guess, you know, boardroom positions so friggin' unattainable, had to fall back on rock and roll. Like, me too, dude. My favourite job in the Volkswagen universe, however, would be that of the glorified pen pusher tasked with managing Volkswagen Schittsville. That would be awesome. It'd be just like being the dude who takes the heads off in the chicken processing plant. Yes! I can hear the conversation back in... Germany. Like, dude, we think you've got potential. We're sending you to this little hellhole in the southern hemisphere. If planet Earth had an anus, it would be there. Ass trailer. You'll be there a few years. And if you don't fuck it up too badly, when you get back, we'll give you a real job. Like, this is a real opportunity for you. I can hear it. That Wolfsburg carrot and stick. Such a favourite. Mainly the stick, obviously. But in fairness, I doubt I could do this exacting job quite as entertainingly as the current guy, who is on the record saying this of the new Amarok. It will not be the same mistake Mercedes and Nissan Navara made. Well, I must say, this is an unexpectedly titillating development. Big bad bashy boy there. I don't think anyone actually calls him that to his face. Hinting, seemingly, at the prospect of some upcoming tantalising, exciting, bold new mistake for Volkswagen. Yes, I'd be surprised if they could raise the bar on that, frankly, given the awesome mistake they made back in 2015. But hope does spring eternal. Bring it, dude. Can't wait. And of course the media is down on its knees, dicening up and regurgitating all this spin endlessly hoping against hope that Volkswagen and Ford will tip some filthy lucre their way using the high-tech miracle of advertising in exchange for being such compliant informational courtesans. And that's not at all like the world's worst incentive ever in the information delivery space, is it? The fact is, in these platform sharing arrangements, there's always a picture and there's always a catcher. Nissan was the pitcher and uh, three-prong was the catcher with the ill-fated X-Class to which Big Bad Bashi Boy alluded. Ford was the pitcher and Mazda was the catcher for donkey's years with the BT-50 and now it's Isuzu doing the pitching, obviously. Interestingly, Mazda doesn't seem to harbour any sort of Jinba Itai 
DNA differentiating aspirations for its ute. It's just happy to catch endlessly and sell a few dregs. Everyone knows the BT-50 is just a rebadged Isuzu knee Ford, right? So to my very good friends at Volkswagen, I say, this doesn't have to be some kind of dirty little secret, dudes. I know cover-ups are in your corporate DNA, but it doesn't have to be this way every time. Like, in a limited number of circumstances, deploying the truth bomb might be okay, even somewhat admirable. It's just a suggestion. Ranger versus BT-50, okay? Historically, Ranger had all the sex appeal, and BT-50 was kind of ugly, but also cheap and cheerful, and kind of only grudgingly in Mazda's inventory. A Ranger 4x4 outsold the BT-50, 4x4 roughly 5 to 1. Catching's just not that glamorous, I guess. <sighs> Ranger and its swagon-fied half-sister Everest are, of course, vitally important for Ford Shitsville, accounting for roughly 80% of the company's sales. So if they zig when they should have zagged on this new one, Ford Shitsville essentially collapses. It's a pretty high-stakes game. Everything else in the Ford Australia range is kind of a joke, except maybe the transit custom, and that's not enough to keep it afloat, basically. Powertrains are yet to be confirmed for the ute in both camps, but it looks like no more 3.2-litre five-cylinder, and instead the single and twin-turbo versions of the two-litre diesel are on the table. 130 kilowatts and 420 newton metres for one turbo, and 157 kilowatts with 500 newton metres with two turbos. Even more arousing than the Dingo Piss Creek fraternity and stereotypically compensatory suits and utes is the altogether engorging prospect of V6 diesel power. Yes, again with a choice of one or two turbos and up to 230 kilowatts. Who doesn't want that? I know I do. Imagine the aluminium chitois you could tow with a rig like that. At least before it goes in trowel poopy somewhere on the way to the cultural desert. Given the packaging complexity of getting an engine and 4x4 powertrains into a platform, it's virtually inconceivable that Volkswagen is going to get bespoke powertrains for Amarok, like so expensive. And given the underlying adversarial character of these co-shared development partnerships, pitching and catching, it's inconceivable that Ford would let the Amarok roll down the line with a superior powertrain. The main variation between the pair will likely be inspired by hair and makeup type styling and also geography, because it seems certain that the Ranger is going to continue to be built in Thailand, whereas the Amarok is going to be built in Ford's revamped plant in South Africa. Billion dollar revamp there too, incidentally, but Ford Australia is on the record in several places declaring that our Ranger will not be built in South Africa. So that'll lead to some inevitable differences between these two vehicles. It's also unclear if Amarok can hang on to its heavily leveraged claim of the widest cab and tub in the class, or whether it'll be forced, bulimically, to conform to Ranger's dimensions and thus lose an important historic advantage. Imagine redesigning all of those cross members and bespoke parts just to make a few Amaroks like that much wider. A bean counter in the automotive industry would take one look at that 
and have a two-word conversation with the engineer who proposed such an absurd thing. Second word, off. All-wheel drive, really nice idea, especially with the tyre shredding potential of the V6s, but still unconfirmed. And frankly, I do love it when these car company suits get themselves in front of a microphone or a camera and profess some deep, overarching affinity for the Australian outback. I think one of the things that is universally recognised is that we have some of the toughest operating environments in the world. You can take the car out through the Simpson Desert on the telegraph track. Big bad Barshi boy there again, jingoistically pumping up Amarok's tyres with Schittsville's inherent harshness. That was a quote from Mike Costello's awesome rhetoric regurgitation report in Car Expert. Catchy name, I think, car expert. Kind of like a rebadged version of me. Only, obviously, minus the raw sex appeal, the technical clout, and the independence from car makers' suction. I have a small problem with this statement, though, okay? So, stick with me on this. See, the Simpson Desert is absolutely an icon. He's quite right on that. It's the world's largest parallel sand dune desert. Dunes 40 to 50 metres high. Yes, go Shitsville! However, if you are, quote, taking the car out through the Simpson Desert on the telegraph track, I'd suggest you have made rather an epic error with the navigation. See, as a reformed cultural attaché to Dingo Piss Creek, I note there are three ways to cross the Simpson Desert. The Rig Road, the WAA line, and the French line. The telegraph track, problematically, takes you to Cape York Peninsula, which is roughly 2,000 kilometres away to the northeast, and mostly in a different state. Just head north from the Sex Change Hotel at Cohen, dude, and remember to hook right after the Archer River Roadhouse. That's important. And make sure you stop off at Fruit Bat Falls, too. That's a must-see destination. And if you're not from around here, <laughs> don't be fooled by the friggin' name. They're actually flesh eaters. Spare that in mind. One-way ticket. Perhaps this is just a context issue vis-a-vis -vis the navigation. Maybe Mr. Costello got the quote wrong somehow, and maybe I'm simply not seeing the forest for the trees. But it is entertaining. Like, you decide. Those stories of harsh Australian outback travel resonate over in Hanover and Wolfsburg. Well, thank you very much for the tip, Big B. Next time I'm in Hanover, I'll be sure to bail up Helga and Gertrude in some seedy club where everybody has to wear latex and perhaps regale them with my outrageous exploits of Australian blue singlet daring do, taking the car out through the Simpson on the Telegraph friggin' track or something. Then back to the hotel briefly, see if they actually do resonate. I might even attempt to measure the frequency. I'll get back to you on that offline, if you don't mind. I do wonder if Mr. Barsh has actually ever been west of Parramatta. We'll never know. At the risk of being just a little bit highbrow now, in closing, in the immortal words of Queen Gertrude from Hamlet, methinks these Volkswagen cocks doth protest too much. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, and there's absolutely no intent to deride. No personal slur is intended. <coughs> Coctimus Prime is a proud animal tasked with the unenviable high-pressure job of ruling the coop every day, you know, dealing with all of the trivialities. 
afternoon and keeping the chicks in line. <laughs> Hashtag respect, mate. Now piss off. The new Amarok will certainly be a somewhat cynically badge-engineered Ranger with the costs cut by expert bean counters. That's why they are doing this, and it's extremely hard to dispute this fact. Volkswagen would not have gone again with Amarok without this opportunity to do so on the cheap by catching for Ford. They've confirmed this numerous times, like obviously not in those words, but they've confirmed the substance nonetheless. The new one, therefore, cannot be both platform shared and proudly, independently, 100% Volkswagen. Not if we still live in a world where the facts matter, however vestigially. And I'm really not sure we do anymore. Volkswagen doesn't want you to think this, however, so they've brought their considerable resources to bear, like delivering a vigorous and ongoing speed campaign to the contrary. And the mainstream media just sucks this up so enthusiastically, refrains to comment critically, and hopes against hope for a pecuniary quid pro quo. Then they just spit it back out all over you in the time-honoured tradition.